The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. And we have a fantastic show for you guys today. We are going to be continuing with Blood Rights. As well as discussing... Uh, what we enjoy in the Dresden Files series uh, between the more kind of classic noir stuff versus the end of the world magic apocalypse uh, kind of shenanigans. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, I'm feeling it. Rob, are you feeling it? I am feeling it. That enthusiasm <laughs> is everything I need. Good. <laughs> Um, fantastic. Okay, so uh, let's go over to Power Networking. So Power Networking is where we touch in, uh, we touch base with Jim. We find out what's going on with him uh, and um, learn a little bit uh, about what's going on in the world of Dresden Files. Uh, and then in the off season, when Jim is uh, quietly beavering away on the next book, um, we take some time to go through Dresden Files fandom uh, and answer questions in the fandom, debate topics of um, ambiguity and and uh, stuff uh, within within the series, uh, and kind of give our thoughts and stuff. And recently, we've also been uh, involving our Discord chat, uh, our Patreons. Uh, Discord, uh, Discord track, which uh, you can join through our Patreon, which will be linked in the description for this episode. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. So, uh, the topic for today is what do you prefer with your Dresden stories? End of the world, apocalyptic carnage, or scale back noir street level bullshit? I think you can tell that Robert at this question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was really struggling for a question, and I thought oh, this one, this book's more scaled back than the the previous two, so I thought it would be a good one to kind of throw out. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, it's almost like uh, with superhero stories, right, where you've got like, um, uh, you could have you could have a story about just like Spider Man taking down Electro, um. It, who's like doing something nefarious in a warehouse in New York, or you can have Spider-Man saving the world from like the Zodiac or whoever who are trying to destroy the entire world and kill everyone. Like that's two different levels of story and, and stakes. Um, mm. and, and both kind of had their place. And, and I think, We've talked about this a few times, but like the Dresden Files runs on a very similar superhero vibe, yeah. Um, and you and you kind of have the ones where Dresden is doing a, a kind of noir case, um, in set in Chicago, uh, and has to just kind of do the the gumshoe work and and put put together the pieces, uh, and. In truth, that gets less and less as we go as we go through the series, uh, and then we move more into the other side, uh, which is fantasy um, apocalypse, kind of like huge sprawling battles, um, 
devastating uh, spells or uh, like huge uh, death counts and stuff. Um, and part of this is is obviously Jim ramping up the stakes, but um, as the series goes on, but we we do see um, even later in, even later in the series there is this kind of split. Um, so yeah, Rob, where do you stand on this? Um, it's it's an interesting one because I know it, I don't really have a definitive answer, but like. I think the first time I read them, each book kind of got bigger and bigger. And really thinking about it, I was thinking about this when I um, wrote the question. And Blood Rites, compared, like I said earlier, compared to uh, the, the previous two books, it's very much like not light-hearted, but everything's kind of scaled back a bit. Like we had the whole winter-summer courts fighting in book four, uh, Denarians wanting to spread a plague around in book five. Both of which are quite, yeah, you know, are going to have a hell of a lot of disastrous consequences on the world. Whereas this book is more, I don't know, like all the shit that goes on to my memory would only affect those really involved. And I, I to, to my memory as well, I think it's kind of the same with the next couple of books up until we hit changes. Maybe um, I could be wrong there because I can't remember, but. Yes. I think, I, I mean, kind of the, the way that I, I rank it is like, or the way that I see it is how many people would die if Dresden failed. Yeah. So, like, uh, the summer and winter courts going to war, that looked like it, it could possibly kill, like, maybe half of humanity. Uh, the Denarians, um, with their, like, virus bomb thing you're looking at like hundreds of thousands mm. dead the current stakes in um in uh, uh blood rights it's like two people have died maybe another one's gonna die yeah it's a hell of a difference uh, yeah um, <laughs> so I think, I, I think that's something i like about this this series and we i, I know we both have a similar opinion on Ghost Story, where after how massive changes was Ghost Story, it was just nice to kind of go back to that kind of more self-contained noir style. Um, and I think, Certainly. I think in retrospect now, like I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, what do I prefer? I probably would have gone with like End of the World, Apocalyptic Carnage, just because the bigger the like the danger, the more is at stake, the more. I don't know we get in terms of like set pieces and ass kickery, whereas um, mm. the kind of scaled down stuff it's more. I know it's just it's just a different kind of vibe, and I think th- like the next couple of books especially kind of demonstrate Jim's kind of style a bit more with it, and how you know like bigger doesn't mean better. Yeah, certainly. I think um, it's. It's interesting, like, um, it can be really hard in those big apocalyptic battles and stuff mm. to get enough time to have character focus. Yeah. Um, and and Jim is, is very, very good at giving us these little, like, vignettes and scenes that allow characters to shine 
in the middle of chaos. But um, as we will get to later in this book, there's some huge, huge character moments coming up um, that need a slower pace to kind of be brought out. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Or at least um, makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's like they both have merit, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of the difference between like um, Avengers Endgame versus um like an Oscar winning movie or or, uh, an Oscar nominated movie, something like Spotlight with, with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Um, Whereas like they are both great films, but they each uh, have different impacts. Like um, I'm, I I, I guess I don't get as as excited um, by the, the more noir ones. Um, like the action ones are, are really exciting and kind of thrilling in that way. Yeah. Um, but then when all the puzzle pieces come together and you get those really great character moments, there's a great like cathartic payoff at the same time. Um, I think, I think I would probably lean towards. Um, I like a mix, which is probably the the cop out to this. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I feel like there was no. Like straight answer in terms of like oh I, I only like the end of the world madness because like, I think if 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 that's your like strict thing then you're a madman because <laughs> yeah I don't really have a reason <laughs> for that but I mean no like the mix does it well I mean because I think like like we said with um changes in ghost story and like changes is just like so much happens and like the last maybe third of the book is just like fucking crazy and to continue to go straight into the next book which would have been like a similar level of crazy would have just been too much I feel mm-hmm. so I think like scaling it back every other book is a good it's just a good way of mixing it it doesn't keep it um, it stops it getting stale I suppose like if this book was a another like oh we need to like stop this from happening otherwise half the planet is going to die it would just it would just be a bit too repetitive if you feel me yeah and i mean like um not every villain wants to destroy the world yeah and that's that's better in a way it's more realistic that there's there's these different types of threats that dresden's dealing with like um, I mean, we've said before what we love about like Marcone, for instance, is that he doesn't want to destroy the world. He just wants to rule what's there mm. versus like the Denarians who want to just cause chaos and madness and all that. Um, but yeah, it also makes me think a bit like a roller coaster. Like um, you can't always be falling the sheer drops of a roller coaster. You need the the slower bits and the ramp up um and uh, um even like if you go to a theme park like sometimes you need to go on like the teacups in between roller coasters because you can't just go roller coaster after roller coaster no 
Uh, <laughs> you, no, exactly, exactly, and um, and you get bored of roller coasters eventually. Yeah. Um, uh, you you need that. You need like a a good mix, um, and Jim is really really good at giving us that mix, giving us build up for future events. Um, I think he's really good at using his slower books to lay down um, story beats for later books. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's, that's something that, I mean, the guy's great. Let's be, let's be honest. He, he really uh, has planned out this whole series very, uh, very skillfully. Um, and so like, he, I think he's recognised the need for different sorts of story blocks, um, and and Blood Rights is a really great example of that. Um, yeah, yeah, agreed, fully. <laughs> it's kind of it makes me think a little bit of Star Wars. Actually, is that I feel like a bit of the problem that Star Wars has as a franchise now is that it's always going for the roller coaster. Yeah. But I, I, um, no, I feel I mean, like, like it's different with film to kind of, especially I don't know. Like, if, it, I mean, it is, but like, kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing it really well. Uh, with like, I mean, like you watch something like Ant Man, that is a, it's still got like the action and stuff, but it's a different level of threat and it's more, more focused in on one character. And then when you get these big crossover events, then, um you can just have these little like vignettes and, and, and moments when characters come together mm. that um, are really fun and impactful because they've laid the groundwork in their own films, TV series, ancillary content. Um, but like, I think that's where like the Mandalorian and stuff has been really strong and, and the Clone Wars TV series slash Bad Batch slash Rebels yeah. um, is that, it's given Star Wars some time to be a bit slower. I mean, you look you look at like the original trilogy, and I'm, I'm going off one here, but uh, you look at like the original trilogy. Um, there are there are so many moments where things are slow. Um, like we have the time for like Luke to go and like stand on the sand dune and look out into the sun. Um, go to like the most recent Star Wars films, and it, it just feels like action, 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 yeah. action, action. Um, or witty banter, witty banter, witty banter, which is its own problem. Uh, <laughs> Less said about that, the better. Yeah, and that is, that's also my slight problem with the Marvel films. But, I, man, like, <laughs> you can't mark them down. They're just knocking it out of the park too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I think overall answer. Um. Yeah. Need a mix. Um. Like one wouldn't be good without the other. Um. I think going the other way as well. Yeah. Um, I think the. No. I, I. I feel like the end of the world stuff makes me appreciate that kind of scaled back approach a bit more. Like, yeah. I think that's what. I don't know, like, the first three books, for example, like, one and two are almost the same in terms of, like, 
and at the size of the situation, I suppose. And I think that may... It's really funny because, like, I almost feel like one and two are, like, tutorials in yeah. how to how to read a Dresden book. <laughs> I get what you mean. It's, it is interesting when you really think about it, which I wish I did a bit more yeah. when I wrote the question. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, like I think the the slow ones make the big one. Uh, slow isn't the right. But the noir ones make the uh, apocalyptic ones more fun. Yeah. The apocalyptic ones um, make the noir ones more palatable because it's more relaxed after all of that madness. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, I think that that's that's pretty much it. But it would also be great to hear from you guys. So either get on the Discord um, or or leave us uh, reviews, comments, whatever you like, uh, with your thoughts on uh, on this. Like, what do you prefer in Dresden Files? Because uh, I, I I bet there are people who come down on either side um, or or in the middle, like us. Probably, yeah. I mean, I'd be interested in hearing. Like from people that prefer like either side. I I do kind of want to want to uh, hear from someone who's just like fully go hard. I want it to be yeah. apocalypse all the time. I, I want to <laughs> talk to someone who thinks that like the kind of scaled back. Like uh, I I keep using changes and ghost story as an example actually, but on the ghost story is very not controversial, but it's it, it seems to be it's it's either like the fan base's favourite book or their, like, least favourite, which I find really interesting because, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, like, that kind of scaling, like we said earlier, scaling back after changes was a really good move. And it's nice to have... It was just a different kind of story to what we're used to. And it's it's interesting that a lot of people don't seem to agree with that. I'd be really interested in, like, a survey or something to see if the people that put changes as their favorite book mm. put ghost story at the bottom yeah. or vice versa. Now I might, Cause I kind of feel like they are. So yeah, I was just going to say, I might just like whip up a Google form and throw it out there at some point. That would be really interesting to, to, to see what the, I need to know. what the fans think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that that's probably the most extreme tonal shift. Um, Although I'm interested to see what the next book brings. Yeah, that'll be because we've just had interesting. Yeah, because peace talks and battleground were, oof, uh, like insane, in absolutely insane. Um, yeah, <laughs> all out action. Um, the the closest I think I've ever come to reading a summer blockbuster oh yeah I mean, it was um, actually summer as well which made it even better it did it did um man it, it must be getting up to like it's not long now until it'll be a year since peace talks no, right i think it was peace talks june last year i think it was i know that, that was oh, until man. september july july 14th was when um peace talks dropped so, so like six weeks from now. Yeah. Um. Whoa, that, it is weird how how 
quickly time passes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is, but uh, there you go. Um, so uh, I, I assume that we'll probably hear something at some point from Jim about kind of next steps with the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think he's he's cracking on with Cinder Spires at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Um, I think that's I think that's about it. Uh, Want to hear from you guys? Uh, that's enough of us waffling. <laughs> um, so uh, let's uh, go over to our other feature, uh, the Dresden Files Book Club. This is, of course, mine and Rob's vain attempt to uh, trudge across the no man's land of the Dresden Files series dodging bullets of ancillary content including comic books uh role-playing games uh video games uh short stories vignettes long stories i've said vignettes a lot today it's you, on you my know, mind if I took a um, every time you said it i'd be pissed <laughs> um uh and of course the main novels themselves uh we are currently uh, in the uh, early chapters of Blood Rights. That went a bit Sean Bean or <laughs> Sean Bourne, Seam Bean. Bean. Whichever you prefer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's uh, so we started uh, Blood Rights last week um, and uh, we're now in part two. Uh, every time uh, we. Uh, do our Judgment Files book club. Um, I give a rundown of the last four chapters we covered. Rob gives a rundown of the next four chapters. Then we go into a bit of literary criticism, uh, talk about what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy, uh, anything that's being set up for future books, any references that we like. Um, And yeah, just have uh, a fun uh, book club uh, that we hope you enjoy. So... um, Without further ado, uh, last time on The Dresden Files. Uh, Chapter one. The building was on fire and it wasn't my fault. One of the most quoted lines in The Dresden Files. Uh, Harry running like Indiana Jones away uh, from... It's not the Temple of Doom, but the Temple of the Idol at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, with uh, thousands of... uh, tribal warriors uh running after him uh except harry isn't chased by tribal warriors no 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 he is chased by giant purple flying monkeys throwing their own demonic shit at him um he jumps into his car the iconic blue beetle where thomas wraith uh his white court vampire ally is slamming on the accelerator to get them away uh, it's then revealed that Dresden has a little box of puppies uh, that he is uh, saving from these demonic monkeys. Uh, we hear that Thomas has been helping Harry out for a while, uh, but now wants something in return. He wants Harry to investigate some issues for uh, for his friend, a film director, as he puts it, um, 
Harry agrees on the condition that Thomas tells him why he's been helping him so much. Uh, that then takes us to chapter two. Uh, Harry drops off the little puppers uh, with the client, a monk. And I just see Wong from Doctor Strange yes, uh, for this monk. Um, uh, he drops the puppers uh, off with him. Uh, the monk says that uh, the that one puppy isn't accounted for, kind of alludes to it. And Harry's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. These are all the ones that were there. Um the monk's like, uh, fine, here, have your money. And uh, he boards a plane. Um, but as they are leaving O'Hare International Airport, uh, they stop by a security guard kiosk and hear a growl in the back of the car. Uh, just uh, Harry reaches out his wizard's sight and realises that the security kiosk is manned not by a board security guard watching The Bachelor, but an evil black court vampire. <laughs> uh, that takes us into chapter three. Uh, Harry manages to fend off the black court vampire um, while uh, reaching towards a box he keeps in the backseat of the Blue Beetle with a secret weapon, holy water balloons, uh, which feels very like Adam West Batman. Uh, like the the shark um, repellent spray, um, he slams these holy water balloons into the vampire, melts its freaking face off, um, uh, and then Thomas, uh, who has just been kind of sitting there, like looking pretty, which is his kind of go to, um, finally intervenes and then kicks the vampire through the security kiosk. Um, the vampire makes a run for it with its face melted off. Uh, Thomas goes to intercept, but is stopped by Harry, who identifies this is probably a trap. Uh, and uh, Bianca of uh, the Red Court and Marvra of the Black Court are probably planning for Harry and Thomas to give chase and then gank them. Um, Harry collects the stowaway, uh, one of the Tibetan puppies, uh, who is viciously attacking the ear of a black court vampire um, <laughs> uh, and then decides to get indoors. Um, the pair arrive at a party being held by Harry's new client, Arturo Genosa, uh, who is revealed to be not just a uh, film director, but a porn film producer uh, who is kind of the, the big name in the Chicago porn industry. Um, he fears that a curse is preventing his new film from being produced as two people have already died and uh, he suspects his three ex-wives could be suspects. Arturo wants Harry to protect the cast and crew, which Harry agrees to do. Then Justine shows her face. Um, she's worried about Thomas after the Black Court attack and it's kind of like, oh, I hope you didn't get too hurt. Um, Thomas hits her with his white court voodoo mojo whammy uh, to like make her basically kind of lose focus on the situation so she can't remember much. Um, telling uh, Harry kind of disapproves and tries to intervene, but Thomas is like, no, 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 no. We need people to believe that she's my food or else um, someone is going to... Uh, try to attack her, try to leverage her against me, this sort of thing. 
if as long as people think that I don't care about her, she's safe. Um, which is it, it's kind of fucked up. I'm gonna say it. it's kind of fucked up. Uh, but that's that's how the vamps roll. Um, and that was the end of the first four chapters of Blood Rights. Um, I am aware that the rights sounds a lot like the masks at the end of Death Masks. Uh, the way I see it is like it's a drop of blood falling into the water and the water ripples. Uh, but I don't really know how you get a ripple across in words. No, we'll, we'll draw a picture. Right. We'll yes. Shoot the video. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Rob, over to you, man. Yeah. Um, oh, this time on Dresden Files. I just thought it'd be different. Um, so, chapter five, we have Harry returning to his apartment where he checks in with our favourite spirit of intellect. I don't know who that is. Bob. <laughs> Bob the Skull. Um, and we get a bit of a bit. I get. I guess he just kind of fills in Bob like what's going on, Blackcourt, uh, porn studio, and all that kind of thing. Um, kind of the classic Bob kind of scene where, um, Harry mentions Arturo Genosa to him, and like Bob's reaction is like, "Oh my god, he's a legend in the porn industry," which. <laughs> it shouldn't surprise anyone that Bob knows who this guy is but like he starts like I guess kind of dropping facts on this guy's life like oh yeah he's been married like three times his new wife is like super hot too and all this kind of shit um, yeah, you get like the kind of usual back and forth and I guess after this Harry decides you know um, that he's going to send Bob out uh obviously possessing Mr. the cat to mm-hmm. look for the black court, any any sign of the black court vampires just so Harry can start going on the offensive. Because, um, you know, they've already made their first move. He may as well being, um, um, I guess as a bit of a reminder as well, the black court are more in line with the classic Bam, uh, Bram Stoker vampires. So, yeah. you know, like garlic, faith, holy water, the whole shebang, stake in the heart. Um, I mean, I guess a stake in the heart would probably kill anything, I guess. Um, debatable. Um, but yeah, like that's what the Black Court are. So I guess it allows Harry to kind of, if he does track them down, he can just attack them in a day and be done with it, you know? And I suppose that's the plan yeah. because Mavra's a nasty piece of work. Um, yeah, also uh, the puppy is introduced to Mr... Uh, Mr. looks disapprovingly and just bats it, which is completely understandable. Our cat bats our dog when it's hungry, so you know, standard. Um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, while this conversation is going on, Harry's like making a little makeshift bed for the puppy, which I think is just a box of blankets, if I remember, which, you know, and. He he tries to kind of like saddle the puppy with Bob, being like, "You look after the puppy. I'm gonna go do some shit." Um. Yeah, before uh, doing some shit, trying to make sure it was in this chapter. Just checking the notes. It's not yet. Um, Bob drops a bit of exposition, a bit of a recap, I guess, on the White Court. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. how they feed, the kind of mechanics behind that. 
So um, uh, they're essentially eating their victim's spirit. Uh, and when the white court vamps are you know hungry, they have less control, and all this kind of thing. Which I, I guess you could probably work out from Tom Thomas's appearance in uh, book three when he was feeding on uh, I can't remember her name that girl that they were helping. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, it's it's kind of new information, but at the same time not, because I feel the word vampire kind of gives it away. You just kind of assume that if they're, they're, they're not <laughs> feasting on blood, they're feasting on emotion. Everything else about it is going to be vaguely similar, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in chapter six, we have Harry bonding with the puppy a bit, which, I mean, this, this is one of the things I like. I don't remember the whole side plot with the puppy being so... Like nice and chilled, like when I first read this, I think because <laughs> like after the previous two books, I was just kind of sitting there like skimming through really fast, being like, "When when's the action coming?" But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm at the moment I'm just enjoying every moment where he's like, I pick up the puppy and put it in my pocket, and he's talking to someone. The puppy just puppy the puppy just sticks its head out and it's just like, "Hi, hello." Like it's just it's just nice. It brings a new angle to it, I guess, and it's just playing into the comic relief a bit more as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like meanwhile, uh, as well as planning to make a move against the Black Court, Harry makes two phone calls um, before heading out. And as of yet, we don't know who the two phone calls are. But he needs he needs backup. He needs muscle for like going after the Black Court because. As we saw earlier, they're quite handy in a fight, you know? They're not as uh, pathetic and weak as they look. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he puts the, <laughs> the puppy in his pocket and heads out on his day. And we fast forward a bit to him arriving at the um, at martial arts dojo, where we catch up with none other than my probably favourite character, Karen Murphy, Lieutenant Karen Murphy, who is sparring with some of Chicago's finest. And by sparring, I mean she's completely kicking their asses. Um, Hell yeah. And yeah, we get a bit of like, you know, the typical kind of banter of you know, Harry arrives and she's beating up some people who are like double her size. Bit of, bit of an exage, but he, he's like shouting out, oh, why don't you pick on someone your own size? And all this kind of stuff, which which is always a joy, and it's always fun just seeing how each book, just what the vibe is, where their friendships at, and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, he he doesn't beat around the bush. He just kind of dives straight in and is just like, "Yo, I need your help taking down Mavra," and she's like, "What's a Mavra?" And he's like, "The Black Court of Vampires, you dig?" Um, and yeah, uh, Murphy is a big fan of truth, truth, but even more. So of justice, that's a bit of a reference to Joss Whedon's Justice League. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, being a fan of justice, she agrees to like help him out because she's mm. a no nonsense cop. You know. Um, we also hear that Murphy's having a family reunion coming up, which is hella interesting because I don't. I no, we didn't have a lot of Murphy in the previous book, but um, in the fourth book which man do, do you do this where you're like oh the fourth book and you just suddenly forget what it's called because we're like referring to all of them 100 yeah cool i'm glad it's just... uh, well i believe you're referring to summon 
<laughs> yeah, I was also hoping you'd do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like like you may remember in Summer Night, Summer Night, we found out about Karen's first husband, who she was. I think she was reading the obituary, so he he'd recently passed away. Um, yeah, sure if I remember right, but like she she married quite young. I think I think we worked out on the. Uh, Dresden Files timeline on Jim Butcher's website that she must have been in her late teens, very early twenties, and this guy was considerably older than her. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting that we're probably gonna get a bit of a family reunion and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, like again with the puppy, Harry leaves the puppy with Murphy. I mean, first he's trying to kind of like just get her to take it permanently, being like, oh, you know, I'm no good with dogs, all this kind of thing. It needs a family or someone to love it. And she's basically like, I mean, I'll look after it for a while, but you're taking it back. And yeah, yeah. then he heads off to the movie set, which rolls us straight into chapter seven. Um, and once he's at the movie set, again, you've got to remember here that he's um, uh, undercover, I guess, as a production assistant. And he rocks up and meets... Uh, Two, I don't know how to work. Workers, I guess. I don't know how to actors. Actors. They're referred to as actors, aren't they? Porn people. Yes, <laughs> porn people. Porn actors. I don't know what to call them. Um, but he meets two two of the actors, I guess, for this movie. Uh, one of them's the easy, the very easygoing Jake, who's he's a charm. He's a nice kid, you know. And the mm-hmm. local meathead Chad, who is Bobby. Um. On Harry's arrival, Bobby's like, oh, who, who the hell's this guy? And I, I can't remember if, like, Harry... Who brought the square? Yeah. Like, Am I right? And Harry jokingly says stun double, not realising that stun doubles in the in the, in the porn industry is actually a thing. Um, And this causes Bobby to, like, freak out and square up to him. He's like, oh, it only happened one time, bruh. You're not taking my job from me, bruh. And, like, I mean, no fighting occurs, but, like, Harry's just his usual sarcastic self, where, like, Bobby's like, oh, you're a bit of a wise guy, huh? And, like, Harry's like, yeah, but not not when I'm asleep. And, like, it's just winding this kid up. Um, And Jay kind of intervenes here and diffuses the situation a bit. And Bobby Mm. storms off being like, yeah, see you later, nerd. He's, like, that that kind of guy. Um, but I mean, Jake explains that Bobby worries about being replaced by the stunt double, and that's why he's like being a dickhead. Basically, uh, he just thinks Harry's yeah. trying to steal his job. Um, we enter the building and we're introduced to Joan Dallas, who is the producer, I guess, and admits to doing like all the actual work that isn't just fucking people, I guess. Um, or being related in office drama and bullshit. Um, she she shows Harry around, you know, what he'll be doing as the production assistant, all this kind of stuff. Um, she also kind of gives Harry a bit of a head up on the star of the film, um, Trixie Dixon, which is her stage name. I, I foolishly I didn't write down her actual name. It was like Trisha something. Well, I guess we'll come back to that unless you have it to hand. Um, I don't have it hand, no. I didn't think it was that important, but I probably should have put it in anyway. But um, in any case, she is Arturo's third ex-wife. Um, and then, as if by some kind of magic, ooh, 
um, Harry senses some bad juju, a very powerful entropy curse. And he's like, who else is in the building? And he gets led to the uh, dressing room. And as, as he arrives at the dressing room, he hears a woman screaming. And we roll straight into... Classic shenanigans. Yeah, we, we roll straight into the excitement now. And I might sneeze in a moment, so I apologise. <laughs> um, oh, no, it's gone. Cool. Uh, entering the dressing room, Harry finds... I was worried. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Harry finds two people lying in a pool of blood and water. Um, and there's a live current like running through this. And I mean, this is probably one of the... I say few because I can't remember any more at the moment. But one of the few instances where Harry's like wizardness and technology kind of like cuts the electricity out because like it cuts the um the power to the whole building I think doesn't it like mm-hmm. they're left in darkness and you got Bobby there freaking out being like oh man who's this jackass what's going on here um being completely useless um one of the victims is Jake who. I mean, thankfully recovers, but the the other one is one of the female actors actresses, uh, Giselle, and she isn't breathing, and Harry and Jake proceed to like try and recover her, get her in you know the appropriate position and perform CPR and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, Joan decides, well, I say decides, urgently calls the paramedics, um, and after some serious house medical bullshit. Uh, Harry notices, like, her skin is kind of, like, a bit blotchy, it's a bit red, almost burnt, I suppose. And he deduced that mm. the water in the shower must have turned scalding and, you know, caused her to, like, get seriously burnt before falling through, like, the glass window and getting cut and all this kind of shit. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, a sign of the power of a entropy curse, I guess. And yeah, that's that's kind of where we wrap up these uh, chapters. So, yeah, it's kind of it, uh, again that they, they were pretty short, like the previous episode. But um, yeah, I I for the most part enjoyed it. I I just always love. It's probably my favorite thing about the early chapters is catching up with the familiar characters. Like, oh, it's just nice, you know. It's like meeting, especially at this point when we've. We've already read the series before, or even if we were like reading this for the first time, it just feels like you're like catching up with a friend. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, how did you find the chapters overall? This is—it's just such like class and classic uh, Dresden shenanigans. Um, like. <laughs> There's so many nice like little interactions here, and this is kind of what I was saying before in in para networking was that like um, it is a little bit slower, so we get more fun, yeah, um, and more character mo- moments like the the moment with Murphy, um, like training with the Chicago PD um, is really cool, and and kind of adds again that like she's so used to fighting like bigger attackers, yeah. Uh, and taking him down, uh, which is a great little like character beat for her. Um, we get the int- the introduction of these cast of characters, and um, it's quite funny actually. I think there's a bit of an art to this. Like, uh, it makes me think a bit of like Doctor Who, where 
the doctor will turn up and there'll be some sort of mystery going on in like a space station or whatever. And very quickly they have to introduce like six or seven characters, all of them who may or may not have like a motive or may or may not be victims. Um, and make them not seem two dimensional. Mm. Um, and, and there is a real art to it because when you've, when you've got that like very quick cast of characters, it's hard to give them depth. Yeah. Um, so you've got like, like you said, you've got Jake and Bobby, um, and, uh, you've got like Trixie, you've got Giselle, um, you've got like Emma, um, you've, you've got like a a few different, uh, people just to make something, a comment that's completely unrelated. We mentioned Go for in it. the previous episode that this reminds you of um, our screenplay project from uni, uh, Skin Flick. Like, yeah. How did we not come up with the name Trixie Dixon? <laughs> like, it, like thinking about it now, it's just such an obvious name to go for. And I mean, I can't remember what we had in terms of names, but apart apart from one of them, which I don't want to really mention yet, but. I yeah I I can remember one name and I think it's probably the same one as you but we'll reveal that uh, um, another time but yeah sorry to interrupt it's yeah no no, no. Uh, also uh, Trixie Vixen's real name is Trisha Stump thank you which yeah I mean Trixie Vixen makes a lot more sense yeah, it, it, <laughs> for really the does. industry <laughs> which was also going to be another name for that series if we hadn't gone with Skin Flick it was just going to be the industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel we should have gone with that anyway. It would have been maybe a bit less on the nose, because, although to be fair, just generally trying to explain to our lecturer why it was called Skin Flick and what Skin Flick was about was a bit cringe. Yeah. I still think there's merit in the idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway. That's our magnum opus. We'll, we'll start work on it again next year. 100%. Nice. Uh, that that's going to be like our our second Patreon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> cool. So. Um, yeah. Uh, we. Uh, so it, there's a really nice like introduction of all these characters, uh, and like it's great to see like one person immediately is like aggressive to Dresden. Uh, one person is like immediately like a possible friend. Um. Like, uh, you get a feeling for all these personalities very, very quickly. Um, and you're put into Dresden's shoes almost because he's like trying to work out, like, okay, who here is possibly a suspect? Could the guy that's trying to act like a friend be trying to get close to me so I don't suspect him? Could the guy who's being, being a dick be actually afraid and that's why he's being like abrasive and scary? Um, and um, it's it's really it's it's really cool. Um, I think the, the entropy the entropy curse is really a fun uh, sort of um, it, it's it is almost like a trope of these kind of like hauntings. Like it feels very poltergeisty, mm-hmm. um, where like there's there's something cursed about this production uh, or play or house or wherever and things just keep going wrong i mean i um, i like the but, idea that this could easily have turned into some kind of really slutty phantom of the opera parody 
Yeah, or or like um, I, I I kept thinking like slutty Final Destination, <laughs> slutty destination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, um, uh, also, yes, the stuff with Mouse and, uh, Mister was really, really good. Um, I, I also loved, uh, we were looking at possible, like, dog breeds. Uh, I think we mentioned in, in the show, actually, last session, uh, so Rob, Rob's partner's, uh, uh, um, Kind of in in the in the dog world, uh, and was saying that it, it sounded like a Tibetan Mastiff, which fits perfectly because you got those like the Tibetan monks and the Tibetan yeah. Mastiff, uh, all going all going I've together. Been told which I thought was allowed it, one either. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Amy said. It, Amy said it was more of a bear than a dog, and therefore we can't have a bear. Yeah, I mean, like there's one that we used to see at. Um... The agriculture, I can't even say the word anymore, agricultural show um, every summer. And I used to, uh-huh. I just used to refer to it as Bear Dog. Because <laughs> at this point, I wasn't Bear too dog. familiar with dog breeds, and it was, it's fucking huge and amazing. Yeah. It's, ugh, I want to touch one. But I, I think that's definitely like the inspiration behind Mouse. Although I know that there's, there's a lot of debate in the Dresden fandom on what Mouse actually looks like, which I always find quite funny. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to, to really pick out. Um, oh yeah, we get our, like, like James Bond visiting Q, uh, the, the Bob info download scene, um, which I love. Um, these are some of the, like my favorite scenes in every book. Same. Um, I'm, I'm a big sucker for like books of lore. Um, like if you saw, saw my, my home, I've got bookshelves and bookshelves of D and D books and such that have these like codexes and, um, encyclopedias of like all these different monsters and what makes them tick and what their strengths and weaknesses and powers and stuff are. And I, I so enjoy these scenes cause they're like, um, it's like if those books came to life and started telling me like stuff which only happens in my dreams at the moment, but I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's it's really cool. Like uh, It makes me think a bit like um, Pokemon with the Pokedex, um, which I was also something I used to love as a kid. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really, really cool uh, bit. I actually had a Pokedex. You used Same. to be able to get like an actual Pokedex, um, which was freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought you were into Digimon. Oh, I was into Pokemon briefly, but then I went hipster. <laughs> I was, I was hipster we once had a very young age. I remember having a long car ride or bus ride with you. Oh my where god. We... It, it it was like an hour long journey to somewhere where we debated hotly between yeah. Pokemon and Digimon. It, it was on the way back from uh, the Hobbit uh, rail replacement bus. That's all I remember because we were. It was like coming at oh, yeah. night, and we were just completely like smashed at this point. <laughs> I was like, no, 
Pokemon. <laughs> I just remembered. It's got the Pikachu that goes blues. Sorry? I just remember a random couple got involved. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we got other people involved, which was funny. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, is there anything else that you wanted to pull out, Rob? Um, I mean, not particularly. I mean, I, what, I mean, what's there is kind of a wait and see kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I like, I mean, I, I'm already enjoying the Black Court uh, subplot. And I like, I mean, I, I mean, I, we obviously know who he called, but I like that. <laughs> I, I like the conversation with Murphy where Murphy's like, oh, well, we could ask that guy over there. He He's like a junior police officer who really likes you. And Harry's just like, no, we don't have time for newbies. What about like <laughs> schoolings or or whoever? And he's just like, nah, they they don't actually believe in the supernatural. They just do it because it's their job, and all this kind of thing. And now I just because it, it's quite funny because when he and he said that he made a couple of phone calls, one of them I definitely knew, and then the other one I thought was Murphy until he went to see Murphy and still mentioned he made two phone calls or he's called a few people. And I remembered who the other person mm. was and instantly got excited. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, it, it has a little bit of an Ocean's Eleven <laughs> sort of, you son of a bitch, I'm in it really vibe to it. <laughs> we ain't got time for newbies. I mean, uh... I guess another question is, what do you think of the uh, Entropy Curse? Because we, we had a I think it was a brief glimpse of the entropy curse, here, an entropy curse, sorry, in um, Death Masks. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's fun. Um, it makes you think a lot of like Scarlet Witch's magic, as depicted in the comic books, not in the films, because they haven't really decided what her magic is in the films. Yeah, uh, but um, <laughs> where like she can manipulate pro- probability so that the if she wants someone to have good luck, she can give them good luck. If she wants someone to have bad luck, she can give them bad Man, luck. Man, like, um, the bad it, luck thing is, it's, it probably scares me more than anything else in the series. Like, just, just the thought that. How so? Just the whole, like, um, because, I mean, it, it, if, if you're not aware about the whole, like, if you're just some average Joe, like these porn star people, then you have, like, no fucking clue what's going on. It really is like a final destination scenario. Like you, you're, walk, yeah. you're on your way walking home or something like that, and you just fucking trip under someone's lawnmower, and then you're dead or mangled. Yeah, um, it's it's a, a really interesting. Uh, I mean, magic, magical murder. It's very like. Um, it's a good form of magical murder, like versus something like the um, heart exploding uh, magic mm. from the first book from Stormfront, which is so obviously like something crazy has happened here. Yeah. Um, and curse, like most people are just going to go real bad luck and move on. Mm. Um. Which, if you're trying to get away with a magical murder, it, it seems like a good way to do it. Um, 
So, uh, but then at the same time, like you kind of have the like, this many coincidences just can't happen. Yeah, it, um, it's good shit. It is. It it falls very nicely into kind of like conspiracy theory territory. Yeah, uh, where it's like there's just too many coincidences. There must be an entropy curse. Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I like it. Um. Uh, I think it's it's a good device for this. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Unless there's anything else you wanted to to throw in no, on, not particularly. I mean, like like we said earlier, like the previous episode, the chapters here are quite short, and it's still doing a lot of introductions and setup. So I, I feel discussing things any further is kind of just throwing out spoilers. Yeah. Um, but I'm psyched. Um, I've got to. I've got to be honest. I wasn't. I wasn't too eager to get into this one. Yeah. Um, because it is one of the. I find it one of the slower books, and I and I remember even when I was reading it, it took me a little bit longer. Uh, until you, you hit the butcher lunch, and then it all it all goes wild <laughs> again. Um, and and that is very much in this book. Uh, do not worry, but um, yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it this time around. It's it's fun. It's a bit more slice of life. Um, maybe maybe we're just in a place where we want a bit something a bit more relaxing. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling relaxed. So maybe too relaxed. Yeah. Give us a nice relaxed uh, ending to the show, then, man. Yeah, I can I can do that. Oh, thank you all for your support. We've crossed about five thousand seven hundred downloads. It's it's good stuff, you know. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, if you like what we're doing, makes us feel chill. Yeah, like, makes us feel relaxed. If you like what we're doing, we we do have a Patreon page you can check out. If you're not subscribed to it, we've got we got some tasty tiers with some interesting uh, not bonuses, features, perks. Yeah, stuff. Don't worry about it too much. Stay chill. Yeah, it's um, cool. Yeah, give that give that a look. Um, share, follow, subscribe, the usual kind of stuff. Uh, next week we'll be doing chapters nine, ten, eleven, and twelve of Blood Rats. Oh, nice and chill. Yeah, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> um, so yeah, as as always, crack open a can of Coke be it regular diet or zero however you choose to live your life is up to you and mm-hmm. you've been listening to the Paranet podcast baby with your relaxed and chilled hosts me Rob Davis and me Patrick Lunn and we'll see you next time baby bye bye bye